0: Hello and welcome to Help Mine and Feed Play Love. And uh, we are joining you today with pediatric nurse and sleep consultant Jo Ryan. She's here to answer all your questions, whether it's about babies' sleep or toddler behavior or sibling rivalry or a mixture of all of these things in between she is here to give you a hand there are a number of ways you can ask your questions if you're watching us live via Facebook please pop your question below the video if you're listening to the podcast you can email us at helpline at au and we also have a helpline group on Facebook so you can always post your questions there hello Joe how are you hi I'm well thanks how are you Good. We were just talking about the fact you're in Melbourne and you're in lockdown now, which completely sucks. But um, thank you for joining us anyway. That's okay. That's, that's okay. Exactly. It's a nice have... sunny day, at
1: least that's something here. Yeah, but,
0: and I yeah. can't do anything else because I'm yeah. locked down. So. That's right. not going anywhere. Thanks for rubbing it in, Chef. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's get stuck into some of the questions we have because we've got quite a few. Um, this one, our first one comes from Chloe from our Helpline book. She says, my second child, who is two years and nine months, has been showing signs of aggression towards other children, mainly at ch- child Care where he hits, kicks, and pulls hair. He also does this at home but less. He's a very active child who requires a lot of outdoor activities, which his childcare centre has plenty of. It's been occurring since about 18 months, and we have tried numerous approaches to change his behaviour, but these do not seem to be working. Explaining to him that we don't hit, that people are sad when he hits, time out, encouraging good behaviour, etc., nothing seems to be working. We have also had him tested for sleep apnea as he does snore and sweat in his sleep, but he does not have this. He will be getting his largest ton- large ish tonsils and adenoids out in September, but as he sleeps 12 hours at night without waking and has a one to two hour nap in the day I don't think it's because he's lacking sleep. The childcare centre have now raised concerns about his behaviour, and we are at a loss of how to tackle this. He is developing well, can count, recognise letters, plays board games. He shows empathy towards others, example when they are hurt or sad. But we cannot stop the aggressive behaviour. His language is also good, with full sentences. For example, "Can I have the blue toy?" or "Are we going to Nan's house?" He attends childcare four days a week, and we are not able to employ tactics like timeout when he attends these days due to the nature of the centre. I would love any suggestions on how to tackle this issue. I want him to be a kind child and less aggressive. Our eldest child was a complete angel, so we have never had to deal with this before.
1: Yeah, look, that's, um, that's a, tricky, a tricky one, and um, it's great that you are, you know, um, wanting to, to sort of find some solution. I mean, I guess for me, if a child is acting out, than a young child then often it's about frustration um you know they feel that they're not being heard or they're not quite able to express themselves like they're overwhelmed with some kind of feeling and they don't know what it is so often they act out um and for boys particularly they can be quite aggressive Um, so i mean the the large tonsils and adenoids Is a bit of a red flag because generally they can cause some sort of sleep disturbances and the fact that he's snoring. He might not have full sleep apnea but he might be waking you know intermittently throughout the night so it'd be interesting to see how things progress once he's had them removed whether he he's sort of a bit calmer because the other thing is definitely overtiredness causes this sort of level of frustration and uh, you know behavioral acting out sort of thing. Um, I'm not a massive fan of timing out either kids when they're feeling like that you know what they want because he's little too often they don't understand why they've been put in a you know a way and there's another thing called timing in which is where you sit with them and you just sit and be be with them and explain to them you know um and it sounds like what you're doing. We don't behave like that. We don't like it. I don't like it when you do that. That hurts my feelings. Um, But just kind of loving them, you know, putting him in a bit of a love, you know, bomb kind of thing and, and trying to put words or give him the words that perhaps he can't use. Like, I can see you're very angry, you know, those sorts of things. I can see you're very frustrated. I know it's hard when you do this. Um, But, you know, reinforcing that it's not acceptable to hit, you know, um, because that hurts them. And often showing empathy to the other child as well, you know, like you as his mother or parent go and, you know, comfort that child, uh, so that he can see, oh, you know, she's comforting them before me. You know, I don't like that. So th- there are certain things you can do, but it, it, it is a concern. And I, I, would be, I would be waiting to see how his behaviour goes uh, once he's had his tonsils and adenoids removed and whether, that's, um, whether that helps any. And then maybe seeking some further professional, you know, help. Uh, starting with your gp and then maybe a child psychologist or something just to get some really good i mean i'm not a psychologist so but they have a whole range of tools you know that to use with young children who um are frustrated and and acting like that
0: yeah yeah actually uh, i was going to mention um i'll find the link once i've actually um if you if you send us an email um Chloe, if you Chloe, if you sent us an email, I know that I've I've got an interview coming up with a study that they did at Sydney University, um, which is really interesting. Joe, about basically they did this study where they had the parent and the toddler in a room. I think this sounds brilliant. And the counselor was behind one of those two way mirrors, and the parent oh. had an earbud in ah, their ear, so every yeah. time the child acted out, they'd be like. Message to, message to parent, try this option. I'm like, damn, can I get one of those for my kids now? Anyway, yeah. Chloe, if you send us an email, once we've published that interview, I'll send you a link. It may be helpful because it it's along those lines of what you're saying, Joe, in terms of responding to their behaviour. When they're developmentally, they're not quite mm. able to express how they're feeling, mm. which mm. would make a big difference. Totally. Um, totally. Okay, well, good luck, Chloe. I hope yeah. that helps. Good luck. This is an email from Claire. She says, thank you so much for your podcast. I've been finding it really helpful, which is what we want to hear. Claire says, I have a 10-month-old who in the last two weeks hasn't been napping for longer than 45 minutes. She wakes around 6 to 6.45 a.m., so generally 11 to 12 night hours. Her first wake window is between three and three and a half hours. Sometimes her first nap will be up to 50 minutes and has always been her longest. Before this month, it was around one and a quarter or one and three quarter hours. She goes down after a short nap routine of breastfeed, nappy change, sleep suit, sound machine, blinds, kiss, and night-night. Her room is almost pitch black, but a little bit of light still comes through. I can only just see my hand. When she wakes from these short naps, she's wide awake and will kneel and stand at the edge of the cot, whinging for me to get her. It escalates if I leave her for longer than 10 minutes. Rocking feeding won't extend the nap. She just looks around and squeals. She's happy and alert when awake. It doesn't matter if I put her down after three or three and a half hours. I usually go by her sleepy cues of eye rubbing. The second wake window is three and a half hours, so around 1.30 to 2. But this is also usually a 30-minute nap. So by the time she gets to bedtime, anywhere between 6.30 and 7, she's only had one to one and a half half hours of sleep and is cranky for dinner, bath and bed. She's only had, uh, sorry, she won't take a third nap at all. She does sleep through, thank goodness, with an occasional night wake where she cries for five to 15 seconds and falls back asleep. She's on three solid meals and eats well. She is breastfed five times, usually upon waking, 10 minutes before each nap, around 5 p.m. and before bed. Is it okay for her to only be having this amount of sleep? I find it much less stressful to just go with the flow with her naps, but I'm worried about her brain development. I'm also worried about when I have to transition her to one nap, as she's never napped for anywhere near two hours, except when she was a newborn. Is it okay as long as her total sleep is 13 to 14 hours, or do I need to keep tweaking wake windows to get her naps to be longer? please help an overthinking mama here as there is so much info on wake windows programs and I'm overwhelmed.
1: Yeah. That sounds very confusing. (laughs) Yes. Um, Look, so at 10 months old, she should really only be needing uh, one short nap and one longer nap a day. So they definitely do start to shorten their um, day sleep and, um, so, depending on what she naturally sleeps longer, which nap she naturally sleeps longer, and some babies are better at sleeping longer in the morning and some are better at the second nap, I would um, shorten one. So, I would get her up at the end of 30 or 45 minutes and then keep her up for a long time and then put her down again and hopefully the second nap will be longer um, she is getting plenty of sleep during the night so some babies just require less sleep you know they just do particularly as they get older so i mean i think you know uh it is difficult to not take on board what you're reading and all that sort of stuff but it's also really important to watch your baby you know and and she's telling you what she needs so if um Two short naps is all she's going to do and she's quite happy and she can cope for three and a half hours. And that's, you know, that's not terrible. I would maybe bring bedtime a little bit earlier, you know, if she's going to do two short naps. Um, third nap, she doesn't need that at her age, absolutely. It would be definitely two naps. So ideally it would be at one short nap of about 30 to 45 minutes and one longer nap of about 90 minutes. Um, overnight sounds brilliant. She's sleeping 11 to 12 hours. That's fantastic. And... Um, just make sure she's falling asleep on her own in her room without you helping her during the day if you can because that can help. Um, five breastfeds a day sounds fine, you know. Um, if she's not getting one overnight, then perhaps you could even drop that down to four, you know, breakfast, sort of mid-morning, afternoon tea, bedtime. You know, she probably only needs four um, plus three meals a day. You know, that's, she's now at that age where the food's kind of becoming the most important thing um, and maybe giving her some food before bed or, you know, um, can help whether it be milk or, or actual solid food. Um, so she's going down with a full tummy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like she's okay. You know, she's not, Particularly cranky. I mean, all babies are cranky at the end of the day. You know, that's just regardless. Really, it's the end of the day. But if if you feel that she's particularly overtired, maybe bring bedtime to quarter past six or something, or have her sleep by quarter past six, half past six. You know, rather than seven. Um, but try not to overthink it. I know it's really hard, but um, it sounds like you 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 know she's doing all the right things, and um, it's brilliant that she's sleeping all night. So yeah, mm. don't worry too much.
0: Excellent. Sarah from our Facebook Live says... My three-year-old does not listen to anything we say, ask him to do, etc. It is a constant struggle to get him to pick up his toys. He used to do this very willingly. And he, will also, he also will frequently not even respond when we say his name. He just pretends he doesn't hear us. I believe it has something to do with his baby sister. She's 15 months and attention. And I guess uh, Sarah's just asking uh, for some advice there with a three-year-old who doesn't well, listen. I am, I am yeah. so keen to hear this answer, Joe. <laughs> Well, 3-year-olds are designed to
1: not listen, really. That's what they are. They're very uh they're at that phase of their development where they're very much about asserting asserting their independence and pushing back. So that's just natural. So you kind of have to allow a bit for that. I know it's very frustrating. Um but I think in terms of uh you know dealing with kind of consequences of behavior So there needs to be a consequence if he's doing something that is not acceptable. Um, So if he doesn't clean up his toys, then, you know, the natural consequence of that would be that he doesn't get the toys to play with the next time. You know, so it has to be related to, you know, so they can, because otherwise toddlers, they just don't, um, at that age, he has absolutely no ability to understand your point of view. So you could sit there until you're blue in the face and, you know, try to explain to him why it's important to you that he picks up his toys, but he doesn't care. You no. know, and he, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. And he doesn't actually have the developmental ability to be able to, to understand that. That doesn't happen until they're about six, you
0: know. Six I years. thought you were going to say 27.
1: Well, true, that's true. <gasps> yeah even later um so just be aware that your the consequence uh is related to the behavior so you know he he won't pick up his toys all right well the toys get put away and he doesn't get them tomorrow you know um and so that sort of thing you know um and also just you know if he's got a new sibling new new baby siblings are. You know, it's a huge change in their world too. So we've got to kind of understand that, you know, it's a big adjustment. Your attention is elsewhere. He's had it for him, you know, on himself for his whole, you know, the first 15 months, 18 months of his life. And now you're not available to him all the time. So that's a big adjustment. So, you know, when you have a new baby in the house, it's often a good idea for you as the mother, because often, you know, it's about the mother, you know, if you're with the baby a lot to just make sure you have some one-on-one time with your older child, just without the baby around, so when the baby's asleep or if your partner can take the baby out, it, it only needs to be 15 or 20 minutes, and it's just your complete attention on him. That's all they want. They just want some attention with mum, you know, um, whether you take him to the park, you know, or, you know and there's no baby in the picture that can be very helpful but you know it will change it will grow you know he will grow and he will get used to it um but just be mindful of what he's what he's going through
0: thank you for that we've got a question from sarah she says my baby girl is three and a half months and i'd love some advice on her day sleeps your advice at other stages has been super helpful background she is exclusively breastfed her uh-huh. nights are quite good she goes down by seven seven thirty and usually wakes around midnight and then four or five am for a feed and then wakes for the day around seven or seven thirty overnight she rarely needs her dummy sometimes just to fall asleep and we remove once she 's asleep. And occasionally in the early morning when her sleep is lighter, when she wakes for feeds, she eats and I keep her upright for 20 minutes for her reflux and she goes straight back down, usually barely opens her eyes during this process. I've been working hard on her day sleeps, but want some advice. If left to follow her leave, lead, sorry, she would have five naps of 45 minutes per sleep over the day. I've been working to link sleep cycles in the morning and two in the afternoon, and leaving her to have one last sleep of 45 minutes in the late afternoon. But this is proving very difficult, and I'm not sure whether to try something different or perhaps ditch the dummy. When she first goes down for these day sleeps, I pop her in in her sleep sack, dim the light and put on white noise. When she calls out, I give her the dummy, and then she drops off to sleep fairly easily. When she wakes at 45 minutes, though, and I try to resettle her, it basically consists of crying out, me repeatedly putting the dummy back in and her dropping it out until she, neither, she either does manage to go back to sleep or I give up and get her up. This can go on for over 45 minutes in itself. Should I be doing something different? Should I be getting rid of the dummy? And if so, how best to do it?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, so... Um Catnapping is a natural thing that happens um, around the eight to ten-week mark. It does naturally pass, but, once, uh, but some babies will continue to catnap. And it all relates around how they go off to sleep. So if a baby falls asleep somewhere other than their bed, so in your arms, on the boob, on the bottle, you know, um, and then you put them down asleep, that can affect the way they sleep because as they transition out of the first sleep cycle, their eyes will flick open and they'll be like, oh, where am I? Where is she? You know, and they wake right up. Um, So working on her falling asleep in her bed on her own at first can be really helpful. Um, the fact that she has a dummy can be a problem, but it can also be a help, you know. So that's why I call the dummy your frenemy because, <laughs> you know, you love it, but you hate it, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it can help because it can help uh, resettle. But it sounds like what Sarah's saying is that it's not particularly helping because she's crying a lot and the dummy's not. So if, if you find it's not helping, then I would just ditch it altogether and just try to get her to learn to fall asleep initially on her own without the dummy. So do some padding if you have to, pick her up, calm her down, put back and pat her to sleep. Um, And then um, hopefully she won't be then reliant upon the dummy. She falls asleep without it in her mouth. The other thing I just wanted to mention was she says she's feeding her and then doing play and then sleep I would prefer, and I know she's got some reflux, so you want to keep her upright for a bit after the feed, but I would wait, so I would do play, wait till she's showing you she's hungry, feed, and then keep her upright for maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then put her down so that she's going to bed with food in her tummy because that can actually help with the napping as well. And it's a good wind down before bed. So often when we f- do feed as soon as they wake up, they're actually not, as they get to this age, three and a half months, uh, they're actually not waking from hunger. So they're not really hungry. So often they'll just have a little f- food until they're distracted by something else. So they often will have little, little snacks throughout the day, which cause the little napping throughout the day. So try and stretch out longer between feeds, big feed, back down, um, And then hopefully uh, she will sleep better. Work on, I know resettling a baby is very frustrating once they've woken. So maybe just work on one or two naps of the day. The first two of the day, the ones I would focus on, don't worry about the rest of the day. They can be short.
0: I love that. Good, solid advice there. (laughs) Tash um, has a question from Facebook. She says, I have a seven-week-old who seems to get a lot of wind. She's unhappy most of the time when she's awake and sometimes struggles to get to sleep or stay asleep because she's in pain. I try and burp as much as possible, but I'm struggling. Do you have any advice? Did she say she was seven weeks old? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's tiny. So, yeah, unfortunately there's not a lot. I mean, some babies uh, don't get, affected by wind so much. Others do. It's about their gut development and that sort of thing. But I mean, there are some things if she's breastfeeding her, maybe um, sometimes expressing off the first kind of 20 mils of the, of the full milk can help so that the baby is getting straight to the sort of creamy, thicker hind milk, which sits in their tummy a bit better and doesn't have a lot of the kind of full milk sugar in it, which can cause a bit more kind of wind. Um, that can help. If she's, uh, if she's gulping, maybe slow the feed down a little by leaning backwards when she's feeding her a bit, if, if she's got a lot of milk. Um, uh, burping frequently while she's feeding, you know, to try to so take her off every couple of minutes and try to get a little burp out of her. Um, making sure she finishes one side, you know, not swapping too much um, because, again, we want her to get all that nice full fee, the full creamy milk at the back, which which uh, sits in their tummy. Um, and raising the head of her bassinet or cot a little bit so that her head is slightly above her tummy can also help. Uh, but wind is, it is, you know, one of those horrible things that we have to deal with when we've got little babies, unfortunately. It will pass um, as they, as her gut matures and develops. But, um yeah. I would try those things you know not don 't feed her too frequently, make sure there 's sort of at least a gap of two hours, two to three hours between the feeds so she 's not you 're not just putting milk on milk on milk, um, yeah, and hopefully it will get better,
0: okay. We have another question from. Facebook, this is Pavitra. She says, Hi, I have a nearly four-year-old girl, and it's so hard to make her sit and finish her meals. We all eat at the dining table, but she will sit with us, eat a little, and then get up and walks around the house. And then she the mum has to follow her around to spoon feed her. This is draining me. (laughs) Please Mm. help.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, well,
1: I don't think that's particularly great for anyone. (laughs) Um I think, again, you know, there should be a time limit on mealtime. So often a good way to do is set a timer like the kitchen timer and just say we're sitting here for half an hour because kids do really lose concentration quite quickly. Um, Make sure so that, you know, you you give her half an hour to eat and then you're kind of done, you know. Um, She has to stay at the table. If she gets up, you have to calmly, you know, ask her to come back. Um, and refer to the timer. You know, we're going to do the timer. When the timer goes off, you could get up. Um, also make sure she's not too tired when you're feeding her dinner because often when they're tired, they just, you know, they, all bets are off really and it's very hard to kind of rationalise with a four-year-old, um, you know, when they're tired. Um you know, get her involved in the cooking or the preparation of the food as well so that can help, you know, to help her kind of be interested in wanting to, you know, um, eat. Um, But I would stop chasing her around the house. I think that's obviously, you know, she knows you're going to do that so she's going to keep getting up.
0: Can I just say from a person, uh, from a parent's perspective, I think the thing I struggle with that, would you say, like, for example, you have the half hour, would you say to them, if you get up and walk away after this, this is your time to eat. If you get up and walk away, there'll be no food after this. There'll be no toast before you go to bed. There's no dessert. There's nothing. How do you treat that? Well, it's, I mean,
1: I have very strong... Well, I, I'm kind of like you can't really withhold food, right? I feel mm. like that's kind of <laughs> really? a big no-no. Sure, Joe.
0: <laughs> feels of a like that could be quite effective. <laughs>
1: I think you could say something like, if you get up, then we extend the timer by another 15 minutes. So every time you get up, the timer goes forward, you know. And, you know, get, they've got to have buy-in. So they've got to have, you know, like some reason. So you could do like a star chart or some kind of, you know, a four-year-old would respond to that. So you do this for a week and you get some kind of reward. It doesn't have to be big, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of giving them an experience rather than an object or a materialistic thing. You know, we can go to the park with me, you know, one-on-one, or we go and ride a bus or we go on a ferry or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, something like that. So rewarding behaviour is good. um, But consequences, again, natural consequences would be if you get up and leave the table within that first 30 minutes, then we extend the period by 30 minutes. Whether they eat or not, that's up to them. You know, but I think you also have to give them something that they like. It has to be on the plate with the other things, you know, so at least, you know, they'll eat something. But again, like I said, get them to help you prepare the food. So, you know, often when kids are involved in the preparation or understanding where it comes from, then they're much more likely to be interested in eating it.
0: Because it wasn't magicked up.
1: That's right. This is a carrot that comes, this is what a carrot looks like when it comes out of the ground. This is what we do to the carrot. You know, here's a broccoli. This is what it looks like. This is how it grows. You know, those kind of things can be helpful.
0: Mm. Okay, damn it cannot withhold food okay no <laughs> i haven't done that just saying uh, i'd like to but i haven't um we have a question from diana she says hi guys my 15 week old is a great night sleeper goes down between 6 30 to 7 30 and wakes once or twice in the night first wake up between eleven thirty 30 to 3 30 and if there is a second wake up it's between 4 to 5 a.m if there's no second wake up, she'll get up between 5:30 to 6:30. If there is a second wake up, she gets up between 6:30 to 7. On average, she sleeps 15 and a half hours per 24. She usually has four naps that range from 30 minutes to two hours. Most are around 40 to 60 minutes, but we're struggling to get her to nap without a battle about 50% of the time she will cry a lot when we try. We try to get her to sleep when she seems tired at one to one and a half hours, but she usually finally goes to sleep after two or two and a half hours of wake time. When we put her in the bassinet, she becomes more hyperactive and cries even if she was fine beforehand. Because of this, we generally get her to sleep on a person by walking around or rocking, but my back can't handle this anymore. Sometimes I feed her again because she gets so worked up and nothing else seems to work. We don't know if we're really bad at reading her tired signs, if it's one and a half hours after this, these, that she actually falls asleep, or if she really needs the human contact to feel comfortable to sleep, or if placing her on her back wakes her up too much, or if she actually needs more awake time and we shouldn't be trying to force her to sleep, or something else entirely. <laughs> Do some babies need to cry before sleep no matter, what, no matter what, or should it be easier? Damn, I've got all the feels for Gianna. I remember being mm. that confused. How old is the baby, 15 weeks? It is 15 months. 15 months? Yes. 15 months? Yeah.
1: Wow, Okay. That sounds... That's a lot shit. of sleep. Yeah. In a day. That's too much sleep for a 15-month-old. Hmm. That's why I was confused because I thought 15 weeks, sure. Yeah. But 15-month-olds only need one nap a day. Hmm. So I'm wondering if she's mis... Misput it in. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, if the baby's 15 months old, Gianna, you drop all those naps <laughs> and just put it down once a day. Um, and you know that should be enough. She should be able to sleep through the night, so I wouldn't be feeding her at night. I would. Oh, wait, wait. Sleep. It's
0: being changed as we yeah. speak. I, yeah. Sixteen
1: week. Oh, oh. sixteen weeks. Okay, that, that makes so much more sense to me. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, those poor people are torturing themselves trying to settle yes. it down. Um, okay, sixteen weeks old. Yes. Yeah. So at a sixteen week old, I would say one and a half hours up is probably a good time. Um, yeah. I would say um, that some babies do cry before they go to sleep. You know, some babies that are particularly taking on a lot of stuff uh, can have a little cry before they go down. As long as you're there and you're supporting them and comforting them, then that's not terrible, you know. Um, uh, I remember my nephew always had a big yell before he went to sleep, but he would always have a beautiful sleep. My sister would say, oh, if he has a big yell, I know he's going to have a great sleep, <laughs> you know. Um But I think the thing is to be conscious that she's going down with food in her tummy. So make sure, move the feed to pre-bed. That's what I would do. Okay. So, so that might help wind her down as well. You know, some babies are just better being fed before bed because they're quite alert and they're taking on a lot of, Uh, stimulation, you know, when they're awake time that they just need So wrap her up or put her in her bag, take her into the room, feed her in the quiet and dark and then put her down awake and pat her to sleep in the room if you have to. But I would say for a 15-, 16-week-old, three to four naps a day. The first two should be about one and a half hours ideally, you know, um, and then two shorter naps in the afternoon um, if you can only get one longer nap out of her, then that's fine. Um, it's better than none. Um, but that's what I would work towards and work towards her falling asleep in the cot without too much distress if you can. So that's why winding her down, feeding her before bed might get her nice and calm. That's what I would work on.
0: Okay. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show again and talking to us and helping us Mm -hmm. with all of those problems
1: it's okay my pleasure
0: uh, if you are having a few challenges with sleep right now and think that five minutes on Helpline is not enough, uh, <laughs> you should definitely think about Babyology Sleep School. And Joe is one of our experts, along with Chris Minogue and Karina Lane, both of whom have been on this program, Helpline, a lot. Um, you can book in with them and have a detailed one-on-one discussion, which gives you the opportunity to ask as many questions as you need And our experts can then find um, your parenting style, your family dynamic, and they will work around that. So that's definitely an option. Uh, Next week we have paediatric nurse Karina Lane on the show and I'll see you here back there then. Have a great week. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch,